The earth and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants belong to the Lord, for he laid its foundations on the, on the seas and established it on the rivers. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not appealed to what is false and who has not sworn deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is a generation of those who inquire of him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Psalm 24, verses 1 to 6. Good morning, IBCM. Welcome to our uh, daily time of prayer and Bible study. Uh, this psalm uh, connects with uh, our passage on Sunday morning in Isaiah 6, in which Isaiah approached God in worship and had this vision and this uh, uh, life-shaking experience with the Most High God. And in verse 5 of Isaiah 6, 1 to 8, in verse 5, Isaiah's response to a holy and magnificent and majestic God, his response to the to the holy throne where God was seated, to the seraphim who were flying in service to the Lord. Isaiah's response was, woe is me, for I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? The psalmist asked in Psalm 24, verse 3, who may stand in his holy place? Only those with clean hands and a pure heart who have not sought what is false, but only seek what is true and real, the most high, one true God. And so we learn Sunday morning that when we approach God in worship, when we experience that genuine true, sincere moment of worship before a holy, majestic, glorious, eternal God, then we are confronted with our unworthiness, with our lowliness, with our impurities before a perfect, pure God. Now, that may sound like a real, um, as we used to say in the 70s, a real bummer. But it is only when we recognize our need for cleansing that we can receive the cleansing of God. The point of God revealing to us our weakness, our failure, our discouragement, our impurities, our unholiness, the point that that God wants to make is not to put his thumb on us and squash us. It's not to make us feel defeated. It's an act of love to bring us to a point of confession and repentance so that we can receive his grace. Why is it or how is it that confession and repentance can lead to grace and mercy and forgiveness. 
Remember the scene in that vision that Isaiah had of worship in Isaiah 6, after he declared his unworthiness, his unholiness, his impurities. Remember, one of the seraphim flew from the altar of sacrifice with a hot burning coal, and he touched the lips of Isaiah and declared, you are now pure. You are now clean. You are now forgiven. And so this morning, we're going to focus on how it is that this grace and mercy is able to fly to the heart of the repentant sinner. We're going to look at a passage in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 7. But let's spend some time in prayer first. Prayer and Bible study go hand in hand. They work together. Prayer not only communicates to the Lord our needs, our desires, our hopes, but prayer opens our ears to hear his voice. And primarily his voice is heard through the word of God, the scriptures. And so this morning, let's, let's spend some time in prayer. Let's just pause for a moment and let me invite you in your own place there. Let me invite you to join with me in prayer. Let's approach God's throne with confidence and boldness and courage as we are taught in the scriptures that all those who are in Christ have been given access to the throne of mercy and grace. And as we approach that throne, let's give God praise. Let's give God thanksgiving. Maybe you would want to sing a song of thanksgiving and praise. Right now, let's praise the Lord for all his goodness, for his perfections, for his holiness, for his power, for his justice, for his provisions, in your own language, give God praise, for he is holy and majestic and glorious. There is no other God but him. He is high and lifted up above us. Now let's listen to the Holy Spirit as he brings to mind our own weaknesses, our own imperfections and impurities. Let's confess to the Lord that we are people of unclean lips and need his forgiveness and cleansing. Let's claim that beautiful promise in 1 John that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Let's remember that he promises that once sin is forgiven by God, it is forgotten. Now let's ask God, according to his character, according to his reputation, according to his will. Let's ask God to, to intervene in our lives. Join with me in praying for the nation of Myanmar. And let's pray that God will raise up godly men and women who will lead that nation 
to justice and peace. Let's pray for our own nation, the Philippines. And let's pray that God will do the same here. That godly men and women will be raised up in leadership to lead our country away from corruption and pride and arrogance, injustice. That these godly men and women will provide the kind of wise leadership to provide a nation of righteousness, justice, equality. Let's also ask the Lord to intervene in this world of pandemic. God, we cry out to you and we believe that you're hearing our prayers. And Lord, how we long for this disease to be governed, to be held in check, to become just another flu. Lord, please end this pandemic. This morning, let's pray for our care ministry at our church at IBC. Let's pray for our volunteers who staff our soul care team that provides biblical counseling for people who are in need of a, a listening ear and wise counsel from the word. Let's lift up our deacons and pray that uh, the few deacons that we have right now will be empowered and equipped to serve and shepherd the flock. And let's ask the Lord to raise up more men and women who will join our care team, men who will be godly deacons, women who will be compassionate and wise uh, caregivers for the women of our church. We need more deacons and caregivers, more shepherds as our Church grows, and as there are more and more needs, Lord, raise up men and women who will serve. Let's pray this morning that every member of our church family will be inspired and have a longing to grow in their knowledge of Christ, in their knowledge of the word, and in their service. Let's pray that as we begin to uh, develop Light of the City, a ministry that we are inviting other churches to join, that the Lord will inspire all of the church family to get involved there is so much work to do in the communities around our city where there is no church and little access to the gospel. Let's pray for God to do a work in our city. Now, let's, let's pray for these in our church family who have needs. Let's, let's pray for uh, these families who have lost loved ones recently, the Sabido family. Kalibo, Baling, 
Cabahug, Soringan, Felisario, Reyes, Santiago, and Parcon families. Let's pray that the Holy Spirit will comfort them and will sustain them by God's love and mercy in this time of loss. Let's lift up Mark Quebec, who works in Doha, who, um, let's pray that he will continue to grow in his walk with God. Let's pray for sustaining grace for his wife, Karen, his two children, and his mother, Tess. Let's, let's uh, honor their request to pray for uh, spiritual growth and maturity in their lives. Let's pray for Kim Dompour and his fiance Michelle as they prepare for their marriage and their life together. Let's pray that each one, Kim and Michelle, <clears throat> will understand that the best marriage is one in which the man and the woman are godly, a godly man, a godly woman, that growing in the grace and the knowledge of Christ Jesus prepares and provides the environment in which the marriage will flourish. Let's pray for the Seong family as they are transitioning in the U.S. Let's pray for God's blessing, God's favor, God's protection, God's provision as they get settled in to their life in Virginia, as the kids get settled into school, which started this week. Let's pray for these families who are taking care of elderly uh, uh, and uh, need, uh, needful people in their families. The, the Deem family who are taking care of a sister, Jackie in uh, Malabon. The Undog family who are taking care of James's mother in Laguna. The uh, Tumlos family, who are taking care of Ate Nelly, who has dementia. Lord, we pray for these families whom we love. We pray, Lord, that you will sustain them, that you will encourage them, that you will provide everything they need, energy, vitality, resources, to take care of their loved ones there at home. And let's lift up these of our church family who are struggling, battling against cancer. Pearly, Becky. Jenny, Bong, Jumong, Cassie, and Nita. Let's pray for God's healing, God's strength, and God's will for their lives. This morning, let's lift up our school, uh, SSFI, Spurgeon School, uh, which ministers to right now about 90 children from ages four all the way through grade 10. Let's pray for our faculty that they will be godly men and women, students of your word, lovers of Christ Jesus, and that through their own discipleship, they will not only educate these children, but disciple them, and that it will have an influence in the lives of their parents. Let's pray today for these church planters, for Jerry and Lorena Nedroda in Takloban, for Dennis and Belinda Armada, in Takloban, and for Ador Sabido in uh, Medellin Cebu. Let's pray that God will give them favor in their communities, that he will increase their influence, that he will give them a harvest as they share the word of God, not only in their church family, but as the church family shares the gospel in their communities. 
And now, Lord, we list these. We name these people who are dear to our church family. We've been praying for these people for so long for their salvation. Pining, Dondi, Mika, Maris, Tamara, Graziel, Fatima, Elaine, Roland, Ivy, Michael, and Jesse. Lord, we pray that right now that you will provide in their lives a gospel influence, whether it be a radio program or a website or a Bible that's laying around their apartment or home that they would pick up and read, but especially a person who not only lives the gospel, but will be bold and courageous in sharing the truth of their need for salvation. We pray that the Holy Spirit will prepare their hearts for the gospel and that very soon they will surrender to Jesus as Lord and Savior so that they will no longer be separated from God, but be in a relationship with him. Now, Lord, as we open your word, we pray that you will speak to us in a powerful way so that we can grow in our relationship with you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, let's go to God's word now. We're looking at Hebrews chapter 7. So just as a reminder, after that prayer time, just as a reminder, we're focusing on that second application from our uh, message on Sunday morning from Isaiah 6, which is that when we encounter God in worship, we are confronted with our impurities, our uh, failures, our sin, our humanity before a big, wonderful God. We are reminded in worship that though we can sometimes, though we often think of ourselves as really something, really important, we, we, we become so focused on our own lives that we think that we are it. And it's really like comparing a molehill, an anthill to the Himalaya mountains. God is so great. But there are also times that um, when we confront God, um, we see that we consider ourselves unlovable, defeated, hopeless, and helpless. And what Isaiah experienced in that worship experience that we read about in Isaiah 6 was that although we are unholy, unworthy, frail, and sinful. And apart from Christ, we are separated from God. But God loves us. He loves us so much that he sent his one and only son to die for us on the cross. I was meditating on that reality this morning in my own quiet time early this morning, the reality of the suffering that Jesus endured for my sake. Not only physical suffering, the nails in the hands and the feet, the, the shame, the, the beating that he took, the physical excruciating, physically excruciating pain of hanging there on the cross and, and slowly uh, suffocating to death on that cross. But the greatest pain, I think, was that in that moment, the father turned his eyes from the son and Jesus felt completely abandoned. He felt 
the excruciating pain of separation from God, from the Father, in that moment for us. And that is why the grace of God flies from the altar toward those who are repentant. Let's read what the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 7, starting with verse 25. The writer has described Jesus to the great high priest, a priesthood that is greater than Aaron, a priesthood that is perfect, that gives us a better hope so that we can draw near to God. He writes this, starting in verse 25, therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, since he always lives to intercede for them. For well, this is the kind of high priest we need, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from center, sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He does not, does not need to offer sacrifices every day as high priests do, first for their own sins, then for those of the people. He did this once for all time when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests men who are weak, but the promise of the oath, which came after the law, appoints a son who has been perfected forever. So how is it that the grace of God flies from the altar to the heart of the repentant sinner? It is because Jesus is able to completely save us. He's able because he once and for all time offered a sacrifice. And notice that this one-time sacrifice was not for his own sins, but for our sins. A priest, according to the order of Aaron, had first to, to present an offering for his own sin, a sacrifice for his own sin, before he could offer a sacrifice for God's people. But Jesus is perfect. And what Jesus offered was not the life of another, a goat or a sheep or a pigeon or a dove or a calf. What Jesus offered was himself, his very own life. He placed himself on that altar, which in that day was a cross. It was a perfect sacrifice because he is the priest that we need. He is holy. He is completely other. He is innocent. That means he is unblemished, without sin. He is undefiled, unstained. He is separate from sinners, and he is exalted above the heavens and the earth. So he is able to save us completely. He is a perfect sacrifice. He willingly offered himself his own life. And he's not a weak priest. He is a powerful, mighty priest, a perfect priest. And when we repent of our sins, that sin is completely washed away. When we first came to Christ, repenting of our sins and trusting in his work on the cross, according to God's word right here, he is able, he is powerful to save us completely. So many times I, I've noticed that there are people 
who want to believe, who understand that, that Jesus, who Jesus is, but they're not yet persuaded that forgiveness is eternal. I want us to understand today that forgiveness is eternal. So yes, when we encounter God in worship, we not only encounter his majesty, his beauty, his glory, his holiness, exalted high above us. We also are, in, are confronted with our own sin. But we're also promised a powerful cleansing grace. Remember that fire in God's word is a metaphor for purification. So in that worship experience, when Isaiah confessed his sin to God, that provoked God's love. Love overshadowed wrath. Love inspired that seraph in that vision to fly from the altar with a burning coal, which cleansed Isaiah of all his sin. Confronted with the holiness of God. Confronted with the unholiness of us. Healed by his mercy and grace, which flies from the heart of God into the life, heart, mind, and soul of the repentant sinner. What a wonderful promise. Jesus Christ, our perfect high priest, Jesus Christ, the perfect sacrifice, Jesus Christ, resurrected and living, not like the priest of old who died, but Jesus Christ, the perfect priest, living still, not only able to save completely, but who intercedes for us and is doing so right now. Father, as we live this day, we pray that your spirit will remind us of your glory and majesty, that we will be in awe, in reverential awe and worship before you today. As we see your holiness, Lord, we see our weakness. We're reminded of the times that we have failed you. And we say we are ruined apart from your grace and mercy. We confess it. And we thank you for your grace that flies from your heart and purifies ours. Thank you for completely saving us. Thank you, Jesus, for interceding for each one of us moment by moment. We can never understand in our frail human minds, our limited understanding, how it is possible that you can intercede for all of us at once. But this is exactly what your scripture teaches us, and the scripture is true. Lord, this day, may we live in grateful thanksgiving that we who are once separated as sinners have been brought near to the heart of God in an eternal relationship. Fill us with your joy today. Fill us with your spirit today. Give us opportunities 
to share this good news with others. We pray, Lord, that your spirit will overwhelm and overpower the enemy who loves to accuse us and remind us of past forgiven sins. That we will be able to turn our eyes away from those accusations and look toward Jesus who completely saved us. And that we, we will be filled with joy and peace. Thank you, God, for reminding us of these truths this morning. Now we pray we will glorify you in every word, in every deed, in every thought. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you. Thanks so much for uh, participating in our time of prayer and Bible study today. And it's my prayer that we all live a life today that is worthy of the sacrifice of Christ Jesus, that we will give him praise and glory and honor. God bless you. Have a great day. And I look forward to seeing you in the morning.